Hi, my name is Aislinn Campbell. And I'm Joe Hilliard. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Dinner Table Talks. In our life together, there are few things more important than our time at the dinner table. Preach it. No matter where we're eating, the food we eat and the times we share with friends and family enrich our lives. Mm -hmm. We share our favorite dishes and most thoughtful dinner table conversations with you every week. Food, family, friends, and fun, it's Dinner Table Talks. I couldn't have said that better myself. Uh, no, you couldn't have. Oh. If you'd like to learn more about us, or a little more about the podcast, we suggest that you go back and listen to episode one. And you can learn how to get in touch with us and where to find us across social media at dinnertabletalks.com. So, pull up a chair. We've got a lot to talk about. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dinner Table Talks. I'm Aislinn, and with me, of course, as always... Jose Hilliardo. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's, your, that's, the, that's the South Texas boy coming out in you? <laughs> well, the gringo version of it, for sure. Aislinn, I am so excited, because it's been a couple of episodes since we've had one of our favorite segments. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Here it comes. Unanswered questions. Did you just dong me? <laughs> so um, a couple of those unanswered questions. We had talked about going and eating at the Italian food wine tasting dinner at one of our favorite places to eat in town. And we mentioned that we had had a fish that was a white fish that was in like a, a citrus orange sauce. But we couldn't remember the species. Exactly. So you actually texted the, the chef that uh -huh. night, like that quick. And he got back with us and said that it was Corvina. Right. Okay. Now I'm unfamiliar with that. I don't think I've ever had it before. Well, if we have, we didn't know we were having it. That could um, be it. Based on what you looked up here, you looked up something from Chef's Resources. Corvina flavor profile. Corvina is generic name for a large variety of fish found around the world. What they have in common is that they are all either drumfish or croakers. Now, I've had drum. You've had croakers too. Plenty of times. Surely. Croakers are around. The difference between drumfish and a croaker is that one makes a distinct drumming sound... And the other one makes a distinct croaking sound. That's how they named the fish yeah. for however long ago when yeah. people were naming things. Yeah. Makes sense. And I'm used to eating drum because we eat drum around here all the time. Well, drum is a species that is caught in our Gulf of Mexico waters. Right. Yep. Yep. It was actually on the list of places that it can be found at. The U.S. Atlantic, the California Gulf, and in South America is what they have on this list over here. I guess the question is like, why do we care? But it is alarming how many folks in our coastal town sell tilapia. Yeah, like our seafood restaurants that people come from other places and you take them to. Right. They're feeding people tilapia. Like their house fish. Yeah, the their house the fish is, is tilapia. tilapia. Yeah. And maybe we can get into that, but I remember, I can't tell you when, it was like, it was many years ago when tilapia was offered at a, at a restaurant for the very, like the first time I recall it happening and I did not know what tilapia was. What is tilapia? Oh, it's a white fish. Oh, man, sure, give me some tilapia. And then many years later, you kind of learn, or you and I have learned, that tilapia is gross. There's there's so much to tilapia. I actually went to a um, agricultural conference one time where they actually talked about tilapia. And technically, you cannot get good tilapia in America. It's illegal to have or sell. The natural the, species? Yeah. So what we have here is some sort of farmed Farm tilapia. Farm-raised farm tilapia. So I'm not even sure how it became some kind of a luxury at some point. Like, 
Like if I ask the chef, what are you serving me? And you're serving me Corvina. And I go, oh, Corvina. And then I go home and look at it and it's trash fish. Then I'm going to be like, oh, damn. Well, but let's what? be clear. The no. Corvina is not. It's, right. it's caught in open sea and shipped out you know, across the across But what the that way. says to me, really, what I was trying to say with that whole thing is, is that most of the population of eaters are so uneducated about what they're eating that they're not and don't care to be educated about what they're eating. And we're just different in that way, which is part of the weird. reason why we do this. We are weird, but, you know, I call us smart. So. <laughs> so I wanted us to research that Corvina, not because I thought that he was selling us anything bad. I knew that he wasn't, but to know that we're not going down a tilapia road. And we'll post on our social media a little bit about what we think about tilapia. Like we eat a lot of drum around here, though, anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's, drum, yeah. And it's, I, I mean, eat fried drum at some of my favorite restaurants well, in what town. Well, is, what is your favorite? Okay, so you go to a seafood restaurant. Every bit of fish you've ever known is available. What is your favorite? What do you pick off of the biggest fish market board that you can imagine? I can't tell you that I really know, especially when we're talking about cooked fish. I mean, I like snapper and I like drum. I like both of those. Yeah, I like some freshwater fish. I like I like redfish. I mean, I, I like fish. Mm-hmm. In terms of raw fish, I like escalar tuna. Right. That's my favorite. Uh, or a fatty tuna, any kind of fatty tuna. I guess mine would be, if I'm getting in a restaurant cooked, a tie probably between mahi, ma- mahi mahi. Mahi's too too thick for me. And uh, swordfish. You can't eat swordfish anymore. Why not? It's bad for you. Who said? It's got lots of mercury in it. I'm looking that up. You look it up. Guess what's gonna happen next week? Dong. <laughs> you donged me. <laughs> wow. Sorry. You donged me. All right. One more answer question, and we'll get right into it. Last week, I said that we, I previewed it. We were going to do an unanswered question on the origin of the term you just threw around so cavalierly. Pussyfooting. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I love entomology. Entomology. What? The study of words and their origins. What is it again? Entomology. I thought that's how you studied bugs. Entomology. That's oh, when you make, study insects. Don't make me look that up. I'm going to look it up now. I want to be, I wanna be uh, smart. Etymology, not to be confused with entomology. Entomology, which is the study of insects. We have entomologists. Some of my favorite people are entomologists. Well, some of my favorite people are etymologists. Etymologists, the study of the word, the word insect. <laughs> right. <laughs> etymologists <laughs> are those that study the word origins, and they say from wordorigins.org that pussyfoot means. A delicate soft step that comes from the imagery of a cat's careful tread. To pussyfoot is to proceed with caution, subtlety, and delicacy, and is used pejoratively. The term is American in origin, and it dates back to 1893. So did I use it correctly? Oh, no, I, I, knew, I knew you'd used it correctly. I just wanted to know where it about came from. Signing up to help their community with. The things that matter to them. That's right. In England, it was used to describe a prohibitionist back when America was going through prohibition. A pussyfooter. Huh. Interestingly. Oh, a pussy. Okay. So a pussyfooter across the pond would have been somebody talking about Americans that weren't drinking. Someone that was for prohibition. I was watching a show the other day because you know I love to watch. You actually asked me if this show had an English accent, the one I'm watching right now. Right. But they were talking about how... You love shows with English accents. No, I just love shows, uh, historical fiction. It was set during a time where in England they were drinking. Okay. But an American had come over. Uh-huh. I think it might have been Downton Abbey. Okay. And they were saying, 
you you couldn't get beer or whatever they don't they were probably weren't drinking much of beer right but whatever they were saying you were like oh you can't get that in america and he said oh well i'm rich enough that i can get it oh but, yeah of course but that like, right yeah but that's the funny thing about like thinking about the time period where in america it was illegal to drink alcohol but in other countries, it wasn't illegal to sure. drink. And that's before a time where And in where America, the wealthy still had alcohol. Well, of course. We've seen Boardwalk Empire. And I know it's fictionalized, but... Yeah. All right. I am ready to talk about food. Yeah. So this week, we actually got to go to one of my favorite things to do each year. Drew. Which one of your favorites are you talking about? Well, this one is actually Greek Fest. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think actually you introduced me to Greek Fest because you had been, it had been something you were into or trying to get, get it lifted up a little bit more. And then I came along and said, yeah, this is great. Let's go do it. I love this type of food. I love international food. That was one of the things that, you mm. know, became a thing with us. Ethnic food festivals. Ethnic food are festivals. Yeah. ways in our town where we can try something that we can't get sometimes any other time of the year. Right. That's not the case for the Greek festival. There's a lot of great Greek food restaurants in town. Yes, yes. Um, and the Greek festival is a very well-attended event. Oh, it's very popular. Yeah. So, And they've got it running. I mean, I've been really impressed with that. So anyways... That was so your favorite we, meal of the week? That was my favorite meal of the week. Good call. And the other great thing, besides it just being great food and a part of something we're into, is that it was also the first stop on our food journey. And now we mentioned our food journey back in episode two. Basically, the concept is we have a group of friends that get together uh, every other week, and we have chosen a specific subject so we might be doing barbecue or pizza and we so we usually come up with some sort of guidelines of we expect them to have homemade dough we oh expect you mean them, for the pizza one yes right yes they, we expect that they're gonna have hand padded hamburger patties when it's hamburger time oh you don't you mean you don't want us to eat we don't want your special burger to be made out of a cisco patty right if your patty <laughs> comes off a truck right that the next restaurant over gets the same frozen disc patty off the back of that truck. There ain't nothing special about it. No, no. Um, there ain't nothing. Special. They're just like, there ain't nothing special. And use do use, but use wrong. Right. I've, I've said that 25 <laughs> times this week. Listen, listen. We have a difference of opinion here. And I don't want to judge you. You do you. But use wrong. You is wrong. <laughs> Go back to the last episode. <laughs> All right. All so right. we went to Greek Fest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so and, and it was a food journey this time. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened it perfectly aligned with it being time for us to transition from the last food journey into the next food journey. The last one was Indian food. Yep. Of which there were only three locations to try in Corpus. Yeah. We tried those three locations. Now it's time to switch to the new one. Hey, look, it's Greek Fest time. And, and one of the things over the years is we got through like the basics. You get through your um, sandwiches. You get through your burgers. You get through your barbecue. You get through your so you start going, okay, well, what else do we want to try? And of course, we talked about how we had tried pho right. way back. One of the participants, one of the members of the group that shows up from time to time, he said, how about we try euros? Uh -huh. And everybody, I think everyone went ding, 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 Yeah, ding. let's do euros. Euros is good. We got up there. And, and one of the things I was about to say is that, that, that I, I'm really impressed with this Greek festival. And I've talked about it based on even compared to other uh, of these ethnic food festivals in town is they really are a well-oiled oiled machine. They've been doing it long enough now that they know how to get as many people as they possibly can get through the door and feed as many people in Corpus Christi as want to be fed. And so, so, um, I was really impressed with that. You get up there and you're standing in a line that's moving pretty quick and you get up to the front and you've got this menu and actually they hand you the menu when you walk through the door so you can already begin to make choices. And we've got one of the teenage daughters with us and so we're saying, okay, well, what are we going to get? We basically all decide we're going to get a gyro because right. we want to try that. I, I like to eat things like tomates, which is a grape leaf um, that's filled with meat and rice. However, I can't eat the rice right now, so we skipped that this year. We always get spanakopita. A spankatopia? 
that exactly spanik spanik you know when we were at last we went to a rest restaurant just a couple days ago to try euro again because my daughter now who isn't been able to go on the food journey has now been to three places to eat euros now she feels like she's on her own euro journey so she's suggesting it so he actually said told me a little bit about how euro meat is made i asked him a few questions i was wondering whether they had a, a donor kebab Right. I called it a spit and I asked him, do you have one of these in the back? And because it was kind of like, oh, we, uh, um, yeah, we could get finished. They, d they probably don't have one in the Correct. back, which means that they're buying it already pre-sliced, brought to you. Or maybe it's even just a big, a big piece of meat that they've already bought that's already been cooked. You may or may not have seen it, but I have seen it out in places where I've been around where there's a window with a big chunk of meat on a stick going round and round. So rotisserie, basically. Vertical. And yes, vertical. It's a vertical rotisserie. Right, and you and you can watch it in the window of mm -hmm. whatever restaurant, or maybe you've seen it on a, a, a TV show. If you like to watch any of those foodie shows, I, I actually like to watch a lot of that. It's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Believe it or not, we watch a lot of foodie television in our house. <laughs> and so basically, you've got this spinning piece of meat, and we did look it up, and it, like I said, it's called a donor kebab. So a donor kebab is a type of kebab made of meat cooked on a vertical rotisserie. Seasoned meat stacked in shape of an inverted cone so I guess they put a smaller piece at the bottom and then the next bigger piece up and up, 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 and they just, and then at the very top, they've got a really big piece of meat. So as they're cutting it off, they're getting chunks of meat. But the, what, what we're eating and what we ate at the Greek fest was lamb and beef, but it's not a chunks of lamb and beef. It looks like meatloaf. And so, I mean, I guess at this point in terms of, uh, I think if you go back to our conversation about the frozen disc beef patties that you can get off of a truck mm -hmm. at a restaurant, mm-hmm. That if you're going to go for a more authentic experience, they would have stacked meats. Well, yeah, that would be the way that it was originally. In the old country. Right. <laughs> in the old country, in the old ways of doing it, when Euro probably first came to America, it was done authentically. Stacks of lamb, stacks of beef, stacks of chicken, stacks of whatever, coated in those spices, then stacked on that rotisserie. The gravity effect kind of compacts it. And because the heating element is on the one side, the outside is cooked more than the inside, but you're getting to the inside as you shave the meat off of the sides. Oh, interesting. So you expose... I hadn't even really thought of it that way. Right. So you, you shave off the most done part on the outside. The newly exposed, it's still cooked, but not as cooked meat is still spinning against the heat element. Uh-huh. But now we got to mass market and mass produce and mass distribute this same idea across the country. So you're right. It's become more of a pre-made meatloaf uh -huh. that where the donor kebab, the kebab itself, the rotisserie, which is probably a pretty expensive piece of restaurant equipment, is not required. And, and you cooking can, it on the... And on you the... can simulate yeah. the idea that you're... And it's not even a simulation. It is it probably evolved into the gyro. Yes. And so that inspired different dishes, not just a gyro. So you might have had an, um, a shawarma. Uh, you might have also had al, al pastor from Mexican al pastor. Um, so there are different ways to take this style of cooking meat. And then the other thing is interesting, if you go back to what we talked about with the eating with your hands, you're also going to be eating it with likely a tortilla or a pita or, you know, something, some kind of bread that's going to grab it up. And then in addition to that, you're probably going to have some other kinds of vegetables and then maybe a sauce of some kind. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what a gyro is. A gyro that is... That drills it down ethnically to the region. How did utility bread become such a theme in this podcast? There was no intention that that was going to occur. Well, because if we're talking about food everywhere and we're talking about, and we, we eat a lot of different kinds of foods and we eat a lot of ethnic foods, mm -hmm. 
I mean, and that's what we talked about back in that episode with the hand eating with your hands episode. And that is, this is a normal thing that happens all across the world. I mean, even in America, we eat a hamburger, which yeah, is right. a piece of meat between two pieces of bread. Correct. We eat a sandwich, which is a piece of meat between, you don't, you don't eat those with your, with a fork. I mean, there are some odd people I've seen from time to time that'll eat their pizza with a fork. You do you. <laughs> But you know how when we go to a restaurant, we always ask, how do you do it? What, what ingredients? Where do you get your ingredients? We probably yeah. annoy the... My favorite time this ever happened, we were at a local seafood restaurant. They had mussels on the menu. I said, where do you get your mussels? But she said, the waitress, poor thing, said, uh, we get them off a truck? Right. <laughs> we're like, well, and, 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 no, mus- and, no mussels for and, us tonight. And you know what? That's not that unusual of an answer to a question in America, but it is when you're at a restaurant that is one of your most expensive restaurants in town. That's why I go to those types of restaurants. It's because I want to know. You expect they're using... the answers to those questions yeah. to be known. And, and even if the reason their price is what it is is because of location and because of the chef that they have that's cooking the food, the style of food, the way that they present it, whatever. One of the things they at least need to do for you is to make sure they know what kind of ingredients they're giving you. Well, the it question I'll unus- be asking. It wasn't an unusual question. The question I'll be asking as we continue our Euro journey. And, and, and you know me. I get these things in my mind and they stay in my mind for the rest of my life. When you and I are in some other larger metropolitan city. I think when I was in New York City, I saw like, I think that's where I saw them in the window of of restaurants. Of course, because they're competing for the food dollar in a much more competitive way. And so you've got to provide an authentic experience because your customer knows better. Right. I'll be asking that question and I'm glad I know the term now. Is there a donor kebab back there? So all of that is that we're trying Euros and we are... We will at... become Euro experts by the end of <laughs> right. this journey. Well, yeah. And we've now eaten at a couple of different places and we can ask questions and we'd like to ask more questions. And we have tasted the difference, even though we, we basically understand that what we're getting is the slice off of a meatloaf. We know that this one has beef and lamb and this one only has lamb. And the way that they cook it over here is crispier than the way that they cook it over here. And, and of course, the tzatziki over here is just a better flavored tzatziki and the quality of the pita and how it's been crisped. Also, things like that really matter to me is the quality of the tomatoes and the quality of the lettuce that they're using you know if those are just really white gross slimy tomatoes that makes a difference in what you're serving in terms of it so it's all about quality and and in this greek festival i got to taste the greek festival's version of euro now in three days so friday night sunday saturday all day and then sunday morning they are serving thousands of people thousands of people i have to imagine it's a big fundraiser for St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. So they're doing Greek pastries and they've got baklava mm. <laughs> and other things that we've gotten over the years from that. They've got a big tent that's got all kinds of different vendors that have all little, you know, little this and that that are all Greek related. So you get that experience. You also get the young little baby children all the way up to teenagers and adults doing Greek dances up on the stage with music. And then, of course, you have the opportunity to go into that church and look at the church. And that is mm-hmm. one of my favorite sanctuaries in town. It's gorgeous in there. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've noticed is that you have a lot of uh, religious faith, religious churches putting on international events related to them. So you've got Greek Fest, you've got Jewish Festival, you've got the Festival of India, you know, all different kinds of events like this. And and we actually just recently got invited to one for Colombian food. Mm Mm-hmm. What it is, is it's these are fundraisers for churches. And I think that's a great way to do it because the likelihood of me contributing in any other way is slim. But food is always going to be a fantastic fundraiser anyways, because you're not going to get me to buy a t-shirt. 
and I'm not going to buy a bunch of baked sugar junk. But if you're going to put on a food festival where you're trying to give me the most authentic Colombian food, I'm going to come spend money there mm -hmm. and I'm going to participate and I'm going to come and see your church. And they become calendar events for us yep. because we go every year to this Greek food festival yep. and the Jewish food festival and the Indian food festival. Um, yeah. So Greek festival, eating euros, fun with the journey. It was great and I really enjoyed it. So, now, um, where do you live and what is yours? We would love for you to let us know that. Yeah, please tell us. Hey, Joe, Aislinn, next time you're in, fill in the blank with the city that you live in. We think you should come to this yes. specific food festival. Please, please, please send us that on Facebook. Send us it on Instagram. You can send us a voice message through Anchor. You can shoot us an email at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. Just shoot us a message. We want to know where your place is. Speaking of good food. Okay. How are those beans coming along? Uh, okay, you're talking about my pinto beans that I declared that I would make in the next three episodes. How and many episodes ago was this that? This is third. This is the third episode. Okay, and then you said it would take five. Uh, yes. I will have them by the fifth episode. Are you sure? Yes. I mean, by yes. two episodes. No, no, I've already now, got. No, I've got. I told you, we live a schedule. Beans. Yes, we have. We live a scheduled life, and I put it into the schedule, and I've done my research. I know it sounds so stupid. How many people just cook pinto beans all of the time? I just never have. And now the expectations are so high. Yeah, but and listen I'm trying to this. To, go ahead. How many people are making pinto beans? And uh -huh. we went to a barbecue place the other day. We and did. those pinto beans were terrible. Okay, you're right. They were hard and yeah. they, they had no flavor. So yeah, you yeah. might be cooking some yeah. bad pinto sure, beans. Thank you mean... for lowering the expectations on me. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is do it right. We put a call Make out on social media beans. for you to send us your pinto bean recipes. We got several. Thank you very much. But I think I'm just going to go to the source. If I'm going to make the pinto beans that Aeson likes best, I'm going to your mother. So she and I are already talking about these pinto beans. I got to go buy them. I got to go soak them. I got to, yeah, it's going to get done. My, 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 actually, my dad's probably the one that's making the, the best pinto beans. And I think she might have said that. Right. My dad cooks almost as much as my mom does these days, or they probably cook equally. My mom cooks more now than she did before. Yeah. And going out to the farm to eat a meal. Yeah. Always a treat. Yep. Okay. So speaking of lunches and dinners and all those beautiful things, I... That's what we do here. That's exactly right. So I think I mentioned... I did. I did. I mentioned a few episodes back that I had gone to a thing where the mayor invites certain city leaders. Yeah. And somebody had gotten up from the city, a new solid waste employee had gotten up from the city and had talked about how our city's talking about trying to start a composting program. Oh, wow. So in our solid waste department, they're working to, there was some discussion about solid waste. He came up and right immediately came straight to me and said, you're interested in compost. And I was like, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> you're interested in compost. Yes, I am crazy composter. You have a way about you. <laughs> I can smell it all I over you. I can smell you. You, you seem composty. Are you composting? I can tell. You must be. You smell like it. So he, he got home, got back home to the office, right? And told the director, his boss. And I got an email like the same day from them that was like, we want to get together. We want to meet you. And so we met to have lunch. Okay. So a couple of guys from the city and we were there to talk about composting. And this is a huge deal for the city of Corpus Christi. And I told you that when we talked about this in the last episode, I was like, I don't know if that's public information yet, but it's now public. Like I had made it public. Right. Well, when I sat down in this meeting, they were like, tell everyone okay. because we want to make this happen. We want to make this work. This is a big deal for the city of Corpus Christi. So let me set the table. Business lunch. Where did y'all eat? Grub Pub. 
Okay. I, so, and I picked it. Okay. So you got a, you got yourself a burger. Yeah. This is not about the meal. This is about the conversation. But you had this conversation over a meal with some city employees that are excited about their new composting that's a system. Cor- that's correct. Um, they, they, like How was I said, the burger? I don't, you know me in a meeting. That's going to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, but you know me in a meeting, right? Yeah. Like you, I'm never. You order, you put the food over there and then. I never you, eat. I guess, did you, what, you take it home? I don't think I just kind of dug around on it and drank my tea. Mm-hmm. But this is good news for Corpus Christi. And before anyone that's listening says, that's a terrible idea. It will never work in Corpus Christi. Know that they have, they have a good leader here. They have a good leader that wants to lead this project. And it's exciting because you don't, you don't hear about it a lot in Texas or you don't think you hear about it a lot in Texas. Yeah. But apparently this new solid waste director came from a probably similarly sized, maybe a little bit smaller city as Corpus Christi, but in an even more conservative part of Texas. Okay. And they already had a composting system going up there. Right. And the reason is, is because it saves money, a lot of money. Because if you don't understand how solid waste works, when they pick up your garbage, they then have to take it to a landfill. So they're charging a household not only for the pickup, but they're also charging you in tax dollars and whatever to run a system that collects this garbage. So they have a landfill. And we are currently spending a lot of money to procure a new landfill because we've already filled the current landfill that we're having. So now we're looking for more space. But basically, we're taking garbage out of our household that is compostable material and putting it into the landfill and filling up the landfill. And not only does it cost us money to fill that space with compostable material, But when the compostable material is put into that kind of situation, it creates a lot of excess and toxic methane gas. So it's actually creating something that's actually good Uh is creating a problem because of where it's being put. Okay. So today we have two trash cans provided to us by the city. One is green, one is blue. The green one we put our trash into Mm -hmm. and the blue one we put our recyclables into. Yes. I understand that concept. The blue one goes over here where they sort the recyclables. Do you really understand it though? Well, no, maybe I don't. The reason I'm saying that is because this is a valid part of this conversation. Talking to this solid waste person, if mm-hmm. he said I could pick between recycling and composting of the one that was most valuable for your community, it's not recycling. Recycling isn't that valuable. And the reason is, is because outside of the stuff that you can like metals, like aluminum and steel and copper. Right you can make money on but plastic you cannot make money on it okay paper can be composted the same way food can be composted because it's plant material okay so the the only thing that doesn't compost in your paper material would be the little plastic windows in the in an envelope oh right yeah so any of the rest of it can can go into a composting so i've got that blue container that we currently fill with our recyclables you're saying There's issues with that program, but okay. And then the green one is just trash. And I would expect that most people will take their plates after dinner and scrape them into that trash can, the food. Most people would do it that way. And you're saying that... We don't do it that way. Well, of course not. Because ours goes to the chickens. Well, we do a whole different thing. Yeah. And we could probably talk about that if we're talking composting today, but... Right. You're saying that those things would go, what, into a third container? Yes. And the city of Corpus Christi isn't offering to do it for everyone. They're offering to do it for households that are interested in doing it. Oh, okay. Because the thing about it is, is that one way or another, he's going to start a composting system. So there there are places here in town that are doing food waste. Our processors, our our meat processors, they have a a waste there. Right, All of that has to go somewhere. Right. And right now, it's going into our landfill. Right. But instead, municipal systems can create a composting system. 
that helps to compost all of that. Okay. So anything that's pre-consumer, so like any of the restaurants that are like chopping stuff up, any of the grocery stores, the big grocery stores, the small grocery stores, any of those that are that are that stuff that's just going in the trash, basically, right, right. we get stuff or from our little garden from small restaurants that give us the stuff from the juice. They juice, they give us all of that. And and what's going to happen with that stuff if it's not going to your learning garden? That stuff's going in our landfill. Well, so, with no other option. Where else are you going to put it? Right. He's helping our city create a municipal composting. That's system fantastic. Where that will come to. So another avenue that can bring a lot of compost into this system to make it really viable is curbside composting. Now that would be like having a third container by your trash can and your recycle bin. Right, exactly. As we know with the way people throw their trash away here, that a lot of people wouldn't do it correctly. So it is a system that will be... Voluntary. People that want to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and so I... you would get like a brown small trash can and in our household we don't have food waste our stuff goes in the backyard and we feed our chickens there's three of us eating dinner tonight three some scraps on three plates that goes into a specific bowl mm -hmm. that we in the I, I in the morning will take out and give to the chickens in addition to their feed right but the average family that doesn't have chickens would then if they opt into this program put it into this other container that's picked up on curbside yes and it can be anything any kind of food waste so there was a big survey done across America about composting, residential composting, municipal composting. And they found in 2017 that 148 curbside collections and 67 drop-off programs. Oh, that currently what, exist in America. That currently exist in America. That would mean, and we're in two, 2019, which means there's been some others that have come on. There's been some that have dropped off probably. The, the idea is curbside, meaning that would be ideally what Corpus Christi is in. And then drop-off would be, I guess what we have in terms of mulch, that would be a drop, like kind of a drop-off composting. We have that currently, and they would use that as part of it as well. I had seen another survey where it talked about why people don't compost in their backyards. Uh -huh. And it was because like, they don't know how it attracts rodents or insects or things like that. And another reason was because they just don't like it. They think it smells, whatever. But the top reason really was just people don't know how. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do, right? And and they said, would people want to do this if they had the option the city was doing it for them? And, and most people said yes. What they were asking me, what my point of going there was, they want to know how to communicate to the public. And I... I said this when we talked about it in the last episode and said it, you have to make sure that the people that support you in these types of things are clear ahead of time of what's happening and can help be your ambassadors right. with the information. Right. Because you're going to have, and I'm sure you're going to have this in every city, but I can tell you without a doubt exponentially in some weirdo way that you're going to have naysayers and my way and this is why I think it's wrong in boatloads in Corpus Christi. Where We fear change. Number one. Number two, it sounds like you're asking me to do something. Do something. And also, it's this odd level of know-it-all, but know so little. I understand what you mean. And number three, you counter all of that by putting forth a clear case that the city saves tax revenue. That's the most important part of it. That's, if you prove that without a shadow of a doubt, all of the other naysaying, I think, would well, subside. Well, what, what happens, what I have seen happen in council and in higher levels of leadership in the city, which good and bad, they they ultimately make the final decision about whatever the hell they want to do anyway. And in this situation, if it comes to money, if he can convince them 
and enough people can support him. Like if he, they may have a day where it's on the agenda and they need some people to go up and go, this is why it's valid for our community. Then it'll be money is the most important part. None of the naysayers matter anymore. Really, I mean, that's the thing is he's going in with that concept first, first and foremost. But I thought it was interesting too that they had states with the most households with access to curbside collection. And actually, Texas is on there. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, and I think that that actually has to do with Austin because Austin has a large composting not just municipal, but some private composting programs. And I think that in terms of number of households that are able to have it, the other ones were, of course, California, Washington State, New York, and Colorado. Right. Hey, look at Texas is up there with the cool ones. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Well, it sounds like over lunch, you had a fantastic conversation. And I know you well enough to know that a, they had the right person in the room. Whether you're talking about communicating a food-based well, situation. Well, they also told the... me they had spoken to one other person, uh-huh. and it's the other composting person in town that you would know, that you would know by name. Okay. Can you guess? I don't know. Islander Green Team, Melissa Zamora. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because the university, that's our university. They have a big composting program going on out there. Too. Yeah, it, a lot of great people doing a lot of great things in our town, and I'm sure your town too. Would your town give the poo-poo immediately to a new program like this? Pun intended. So I'm glad you had a great meal. And there, I'm glad. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing how it comes forward. It's good for our environment. It's good for our economy. It's good for our gardens. It's good for our land. All of it. Well, it sounds like a fantastic dinner table talk. Yes. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Now, my favorite meal, you were there. Yes. My daughter babysits for some of our best friends. Yes. And they were having kind of a kidsy event over at their house, but invited a few adult friends. We're the odd man out in the sense that our kids aren't the same age, but I took our daughter with us because she knows them real good and uh, we all kind of love each other. And we weren't intending on eating. We didn't go over there with the indication that we were going to eat. And no. that beautiful, spontaneous notion of, hey, the dinner time approaches, everybody want to chip in and get some Chinese food? Yeah. And they're so easygoing about it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not that easygoing about that kind of stuff. You mean when we do something like that at our home? Yeah. No, I'm not easygoing about it the way they are. They're 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 pretty laid back. Well, it they're was, real good laid back. It was real like casual. It. it was real spontaneous. And it was kind of like, let's order in some Chinese. These days, we've got all of the delivery apps. No one has to leave their house. So we That's true. found a delivery app. Everybody got on their phone to look at the menu. And with three families there, and I think a total of five kids, it's... Let's do this thing family style. Yeah. You get a little bit of the garlic beef. You get a little bit of the broccoli chicken. I'll get Hunan rice. Let's get a big vegetable fried rice for everybody. Lots of chicken nuggets for the kids. <laughs> yeah, but... I, I saw our daughter eating chicken nuggets too. <laughs> if, you're getting, if you're getting chicken nuggets that aren't from a fast food place, that are from a Chinese food place, I might have even tried one myself just to see what they came up with. I can't come <laughs> up with my favorite dish. The dish wasn't important. The meal was the important part. The community, the family style, the everybody gets a little bit of taste of everything. And the food from this particular Chinese food restaurant, which I'm not ready to plug yet, was just phenomenal. Yeah, it was good. So uh, one of the couples that was there actually asked us about food. We started talking about food. Believe it or not. And and how do y'all do it? And what do you cook? And and we did tell them about the podcast. I think the podcast had not started yet. Or no, had, it had. We, maybe it was one or two in. No, it, it was, was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it was the last 21 meals. What, oh. Why are you blowing our shit? <laughs> what I was going to say is they had started talking about how they pretty much only eat um, local farm-raised or caught fish or hunted 
you know, game, game. that they uh-huh. basically that's all they've eaten because they went to order vegetarian. And I was like, oh, are you vegetarian? Because I'm used to ordering vegetarian. And so it's odd for me to not, not order vegetarian these days. They, they were eating pretty much like me. And they ordered a tofu dish that was really good. I liked it. Although I was clearly told at the last naturopath appointment not to eat anything soy anymore. That that was a that was a clear no grain no soy no meat. grain no soy which is interesting if you think about it in the American diet L- literally let me clear out from you if I went through and looked at how much soy is in even the things that I still eat yeah it's in you mean hidden in the ingredients of processed food soy lic- soy lectin lecithin lecithin soy lecithin soy quiero grains <laughs> but yeah I mean it's just that's the American diet and ultimately I've been told don't eat the American diet anymore. Luckily for you, there's so many ethnic food festivals around town that we don't have to go to the American diet. Oh my gosh, so good. At the end of every episode, we do an unknown, an unscripted. We reveal ourselves to you by pulling a question from a box of questions called Table Topics. We have not looked at this question prior to now. I am pulling it, Aislinn. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, this is a cliche question, but it's a fun one. Okay. If you had three wishes, what would they be? I'm going to lay a ground rule down. You can't wish for more wishes. You only get three. Okay. Go for it. Well, the first wish that I would have would be to never have any concerns about money again. Okay. Meaning that whatever I need or want, and I'm a reasonable person, Mm -hmm. I do not have to worry about money. So any healthcare needs, any food, any travels, any, you know, whatever money's not, money is never a concern for me again. Okay. A bank account that never runs dry. Right. Which, I mean, once you have that, what else do you need anymore? Yeah, I don't like, that. I don't like this question. <laughs> just, just, no. Really, cash well, to buy anything I want kind of solves everything in life, doesn't it? Well, no. In my life, it solves... I mean, because I suppose there are people out there that might wish for their love. Well, I've got that. What's his name? <laughs> what the hell? His name is Jose Hilliard. Hilliard. <laughs> He sounds very handsome. He has a lot of hair <laughs> okay, hold on, on his second. face. <laughs> hey, hey, don't steal my wishes. It's not my turn yet. Honestly, I, I truly believe that if I had money, that my health wouldn't be an issue right now. Yeah. Because I think that it has to do with stress and that I need to go to the doctor and just have some some medical whatever. So I think that if I had money, my health would be better than it was. Okay. Not only do I have plenty of money, but I also have all the time that I need. With all the money that you want. Well, well, sometimes the- when you make wishes, then the wish comes with like the things that make the wish happen. So I don't need all the money just so that I have some big job that I have to work all the time. Right. No, I don't want that. I want all the money and all the time. And, and, and okay. And then my third one with all that love and money and time or with all that money and time, I, I live a long, healthy life. So money, time, long, healthy life. My first wish is a bank account with a billion dollars in it. That's not enough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just picked a number out of the hat so that then I could, you know... You can invest at least ha- half a billion and then make more billions. There you go. <laughs> but with that, like you said, comes all the travel that you want and all the homes that you want, all the cars that you want, but it's not possessions. I, I, possessions yeah, for me is not... not what it is. It's travel, uh-huh. seeing the world eating great food, spending time with my family, my family set up to where they can pursue their life passion instead of having to pursue a a job that doesn't give them so much fulfillment just so that they can make the money 
You follow me? Yeah. So it, it speaks a lot to our, certainly to our society. So would so anybody do the service things that needed to be done if the whole world had the ability to have all the money it needed? Well, no, I think like the, I, I, the economy shifts and right. what is wealthy must be raised. Well, I just was thinking about that idea of service. Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where you did the service that you love to do and that's what fed you? That's what gave you everything you needed? Wait, repeat that? We all do a service. I mean, ultimately, that's what... It's just that some services are more valuable than other services. Like, As per like, society's values. Right. Exactly. So maybe I, I always just wish that there was a shift in values. You know, it's ultimately the question that always comes back to the idea of what I value compared to what others value. Like a heart surgeon is more valuable than a gardener, even though if you gardened and you got taught how to garden and you grew vegetables in your backyard, you might not have as many problems with your heart and we might not need as many heart surgeons. You just blew my mind. No, I didn't. That's what I wish for. Yeah. A flying carpet, nothing. No. The ability to fly? The no. ability to turn invisible? Only if you got in a situation where you like had to wish yourself out of some place, but I don't have to wish myself out of a, a doom dungeon. Well, good for you. I Found the magic lamp inside the dungeon and have to wish myself out of the dungeon to spend the money that I had, but I don't have to wish myself out of the dungeon. Beware the monkey's paw. And you know what? That question probably is different now than it was back then because now... If you have money, you can literally go to any place in the world you want. You can have anything you want right now if you have money. I wonder what... Um, anything you can think of. And there was... I wonder know. if we pulled our 14-year-old daughter in here, what her answer to the question would be. Or if you pulled in a six-year-old, what their answer to the question would be. It would be a lot more creative and a lot more fun. Yeah. All right. All right. That was fun. All right. Before we go, I just want to say one thing. You and I are cooking up some really good plans for future episodes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. 2020, here we come. Yeah, but you can't, we can't, we can't talk about it yet. Oh. But there's some great things coming up. But uh, until the next time that the dinner table is open, we hope that you're enjoying the podcast and that you're telling all of your friends about it. I know that friends are telling friends, but this is fun. And let's all get involved. Send us a message. If you've got some better wishes that you came up with, send us a message. You can do a voice message. If you do that on Anchor, you can do a voice message. At our website. Get on all of our social media, Facebooks, Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, and uh, have some fun with us. And that's just all I have to say at the dinner table tonight. Adios, amigos. Hey, thank you again for joining us at our dinner table. If we said during this last episode that we'd share something with you, you can find it at our dinner table talks on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're on Twitter, it's dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com for all of the latest information and send us an email there at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We so look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.